They were high school sweethearts that got married and had two kids. It's the Brunigs. In the swamp of D.C. they tweet all day, but that's okay. They're the Brunigs. She is a journalist. He is a wonk. Wonk, wonk, wonk. They talk about the news or whatever they want. In the fight for justice, they're on your side. You can't deny it's the Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to our low-effort, low-quality podcast. This is Liz Brunig. This is my husband, Matt. Hello, everyone. Uh, you've run into us on a sentimental evening here in the Brunig household. It is our last night in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. It is. It's tough. I mean, they should, um, they should uh, you know, in my personal opinion, they should change the name of D.C. to make it clear that it's not the state. So well, say Washington district. State District. They should just call it District. Well, Washington, comma, District of Columbia. Well, maybe. why don't they just call it Columbia or something like Texas? That would make it even more confusing. You why? need to indicate district. Otherwise, you think state, right? Because hmm. the other states do not, are not called state of. Sometimes they are, like in their official name, called state of, or sometimes commonwealth, or something like that. But formally, if there's nothing preceding hmm. the name, you just assume it's a state. Mm-hmm. I think. I mean, I don't know. Because Guam doesn't really go that way. And people seem to understand that. The same with the Virgin Islands. Um, you know. So, the territorial U.S., they don't usually call it territory of. Mm-hmm. Though I think that's the formal name. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I guess I don't have strong feelings about it. But Every time you get in the back of a cab in Washington, D.C., uh, Muriel Bowser is telling you that we're in the process of becoming the 51st state. Uh, but not really, right? Like, where where are we in that process? Uh, well, you know, I think is, is if the Dems get control of both uh, houses of Congress, they can, through a, a bare majority, make it the case. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but that requires them to, like, do good stuff. I mean, like, by a bare majority, they could make the country, like pretty cool and awesome but they always refuse to do that i've noticed that they always refuse to do that uh i wish that they didn't uh you kind of think like i don't know i don't know where they would go with it but you know these days where it's all you know id paul and whatnot there's such an easy id paul case to make about Hmm. disenfranchisement of people of color and that sort of thing Hmm. you know yeah because i mean you know the reason the republicans oppose it is because they know it's going to be a democratic vote true but the main reason it's going to be a democratic vote is because of the, the well i don't know you know it's mm-hmm. because it's, it has a, such a large black population mm-hmm. though realistically it seems like the white population is also like 80 percent democrats but <clears throat> you know insofar as republicans take make efforts to try to reduce the democratic vote share and that means in many cases trying to reduce black mm-hmm. voting you know, we've come to understand that that's, you know, like that's become a big thing among Democrats of late. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you would think, hey, how can you not do this? But I wouldn't bet on it. I sure the fuck wouldn't put my money on that. Yeah. No, I wouldn't either. 
you know, I'm not going to miss DC. I know we 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 differ somewhat on that. Um, so well, let's run through um, some of the things that we will and won't miss about what they call in the in the literature this town. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They do call it this town. Some people call it something else. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. This was a meme. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Okay. Say well, this. This. This foul word. No. We'll no. You it. know exactly what I'm trying well, then to say. It, Pamela. No. You say it. You. You. I'm not gonna do it. Me neither. <laughs> I don't understand why. Uh, anyway, uh, it's it is someone wrote a book called This Town, mm-hmm. I believe. And uh, I'm only reporting news here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but another an, a Twitter user, um, y- I guess, they didn't exactly mock the book, but, but the whole concept of This Town by the typing in the words Piss Town. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <And> <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember who that was. Uh, I don't remember. It was uh, Sam Knight One. All right. It was a little Twitter comedian, Sam Knight One. But, uh, of the District Sentinel. Um, you know, but it do at times uh, be like that. So when Matt and I first came to D.C., uh, we were both on summer internships. That's true. College yep. internships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and the we, first time I did come. We uh, got... That would have been the year of 2010. We got a little... Uh, we, we really got a good deal. Um, we got a, a little level of a row house that a mm-hmm. Yale professor of music kept. and yes. uh, The he, ground floor yeah, he was, in the Eastern Market. It was in Eastern Market, which is a nice part of D.C. He was out of town for the summer, and he was really just looking for a house sitter and I think probably hadn't even considered what rent in D.C. would be in 35 years. So we wound up paying pretty it decent. It was 900 a month. But, but for D.C., that's... Oh Especially, yeah, for a whole row of a, yeah. a whole floor of a row house. Yeah, that's that's a pretty good deal. That's pretty impressive. We slept on a fold out bed. That yeah, folded that out. Might have made it a little bit more. Maybe you know he might have thought like, oh well, you know, there's not really a bedroom. Well, yeah, on this floor. So. Well, the strange thing about the way he lived is you could see that he slept in this closet. Yeah, he had he had you know this closet was just big enough to have like a twin size bed and it like, like wall to wall the whole closet yeah yeah um well he was renting the other parts of it yeah i don't know it's very weird because if he's renting the other parts of it then he should know what yeah. rents are but maybe he just didn't really know how to discount the fact that there were no no bedrooms no bedrooms <laughs> or he was just trying to be highly selective yeah and i so, don't know you know, he decided, oh, I'll just keep it. I'll run it low. That way I'll get a ton of applications. Yeah. And then I can select among people, you know, who, who seem like they're going to take care Responsible. of it. Responsible. It was very uh, strange. You can, he must have been like Dracula just packing himself into this tiny little closet. Uh, and I tried to sleep in there one night, but it, this place was air conditioned only by a window unit, which is typical of DC. There's no central air. Yeah. So in the middle of summer, it's 95 degrees outside at night. You're in this tiny little sweltering closet. Even with the doors open, it was just not livable. It was awful. Yeah, maybe that's why he got out of. I town would in the not summer. blame him. Damn. Uh, we slept on this rickety ass raggedy bed, folded out from like a 700 year old couch. It seems weird because it seems like. Do you think he slept in the closet? I don't know. <laughs> you think maybe he slept on the couch? Well, I mean, the fact that's is... That's what would make sense. The fact is that there was a bed in the closet. 
Yes. No. But it would make sense if you're in that situation and like, look, this was a row house. It wasn't intended for like each thing to be like its own unit, <laughs> yes. but I've cut it up that way. And I've, and so now I'm stuck with this ground level that doesn't have any bedrooms. And you'd sort of make it into a studio of sorts and, you know, do a fold out bed, but do it like really comfortable or do one of those beds that go up into the wall or whatever. Like a Murphy bed? Yeah. <laughs> Sprung. That's a leading cause of death in comedy movies. Yeah. And, you know, then it would work and it would make sense and you could have the whole thing. But instead, the the, the bed was like the worst, like, you know, like fold out couch. It was awful. I mean, the worst. Like, it, was it was really just bad. Just a typical kind of like... The edges of it are this very flimsy, questionable mm. steel, and it's sort of like poking you in the back the God, whole time. God, it was bad. Um, we had sex on that thing, too. I mean, we were both like 100 pounds lighter then, so it wasn't as bad as it would be now, but damn, yeah, it was awful. I would have been, yeah, a lot lighter than I am now. Same, baby. Well, no, you, you, you're pretty much I've had two but... children since then, son. Anyway, I'm glad that you don't remember what I used to look like. <laughs> it's very merciful of you. Matt would sometimes stop by the Eastern Market on the way home from his internship and would get like a baguette and some pasta and some pasta sauce and would come walking down the street in his business suit with those little items and I would watch out the window. It was very sweet. Okay. Also, Matt stole internet all summer from someone. Yeah, I don't know how that happened, but we, you know, we didn't really think through the internet That guy didn't have Wi-Fi. Um, But there was one that was just sort of open. Yeah. I feel weird, you know. It's just kind of goofy the way in which they've allowed, you know, the 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 uh, the internet utilities to make it to where, you know, everyone has their own service. Yeah. Like in a, in a, like really dense areas, mm-hmm. you don't need literally every freaking unit having its own, you know, wireless access point. Yeah. You know? You could have one wireless access point that would cover you know, a whole floor or something like that. I remember when I was at um the uh when I was at Oklahoma and I was renting that apartment there, mm-hmm. they had free internet throughout mm-hmm. the whole thing. You didn't have to get anything. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's a, such a, a, a by far superior a way of doing this. It's very wise. Is just to be like, oh look, we will as a as a giant apartment complex just institutionally put up like nice Wi Fi in each of our like little buildings and then we'll just include that in the rent. Everyone's gonna need it. I mean this was student housing essentially, so they surmised that there would be no one who didn't want the internet. But even, you know, now it's for sure no one doesn't want the internet. And yet you know how much money is being lost in that process? You know, you know, you got to get Matt to do these kinds millions of things. Of dollar, billions of dollars, probably Un- mm-hmm. unnecessary. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe they would say they would up the price if people started doing that. And they need yeah. everyone to chip in their 20 bucks or 40 bucks or whatever it is. I don't know. But, you know, for the time being. Yeah. But anyways, it worked. There was some some great uh soul who didn't lock it down these days. I mean, I remember when when, you know, that was when the internet was uh you know in its more nascent stages and they would like send you stuff in the mail yeah you could like plug in and you would call mm-hmm. like like they didn't have a person come out mm-hmm. to do it and you would like maybe even buy your own router or whatever yeah and like during that period a lot of people had open access points now they send someone out to your house yeah and when they install it they install it all locked down and shit and you have you would have to take like 
proactive efforts to make it an open access point yeah um which you know most people don't want to do or don't care enough or whatever yeah um i mean i guess there are security issues technically but you know well we did steal internet all summer somehow it worked out uh there was a tiny little parking spot in the back that fit my little honda fit at the time um, um is that what i was driving well i couldn't drive so matt always drove my car yeah i don't think it did i i'm remembering parking on the street no 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 remember it had like concrete sides yeah no i i, I remember yeah. there was a thought oh, that yes. it would and yes. then it, it it clearly would not uh-huh. um and yes that was the honda element and so then it was parking on the street yeah um not good and i had to go get a guest yeah pass oh, and all that God. kind of stuff it was a very complicated mm-hmm. ordeal pass. and i remember the pass expired at one point and there were still like a couple weeks left yeah and i was like i don't really know what to do um <laughs> and then i was able to get some other pass mm-hmm. that was all that was sort of like a visitor pass or some shit like that mm-hmm. it was very weird it was like sort of hopping between different temporary credentials um in order to maintain this uh, process um, without actually, you know, living there and wanting to like register the car and get plates and a license and all that kind of stuff since I'm only there for a couple uh, weeks. Um, though in hindsight, I guess we probably didn't need the car. Um, well, uh, where were you interning? I was, that was Dennis Kucinich's office. Okay. And yeah. I was with the Epilepsy Foundation. Yeah. I think you, 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 uh, sort of made that internship for yourself. I did. I just contacted in order to them be, to be there with to me, be with you. And I was, was like, nice. I was like, I need an, I need an internship. They were like, we don't do interns. I was like, excuse me. I have epilepsy. <laughs> what the hell kind of organization are you running? Mm-hmm. And they were like, uh, fine, I guess. And they just like gave me pages to collate and stuff, which is fine. That was basically what I wanted. I actually genuinely did learn a lot about epilepsy. Yeah. Reading their little guides and well, stuff. And you get a line on the CV, you know, that's what we're all here for. And that's what we're all here for uh, in the end. Um, so that summer was very hot. We did go see the fireworks mm-hmm. on the National Lawn. Mm-hmm. Uh, Capitol Lawn? Whatever, uh, National that's the National Mall. Mall. Yeah, whatever. We went and saw them. It was really not any, you know, it was whatever. Yeah. You've seen one firework, you've seen them all, right? They all are all very similar. Yeah. And it does kind of suck to just like sit on a big lawn with god it was fucking tens of thousands of people burning hot i was sweating so bad and then we it wasn't so bad because it was the evening but just you know a lot of people around it's just kind of annoying and then they only let you there's no parking you have to take the subway in so you get squeezed onto a subway <laughs> I mean, car with like a thousand people on the way back we literally could have walked home um i'm not no i know but like, you know, no i probably would have just walked home if yeah. it were just me well. um but Anyway, that summer was pretty fun. And the next time you were back, you were with SEIU. Yep. yep. Where you interned. Mm-hmm. What, that what, was like, yeah. What year was that? That would have been 2013 summer. So oh. three years later. Oh, that was the summer. Well, I... no, no, no. Actually, 2011. So 2010 was Dennis Kucinich. 2011 was Jobs with Justice, which was also in D.C. Yeah. And that year I slept on someone's floor in Virginia. Not in Northern good. Virginia. Not great. Um, In a like illegal situation. He, they weren't allowed to like do this, mm-hmm. but, you know, he let me do it. I paid him 400 a month to, to sleep on his floor in his living room. Mm-hmm. Nice guy. Um, And then... 
Uh, yeah, and then in 2013 summer, it was SEIU, and I actually was in uh, Maryland in uh, an apartment there on uh, the Red Line. I yeah, would... and I had gone uh, over to overseas at that point. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, well, I graduated in 2013, so the summer yeah. of 2013 would follow the... Yeah, I just don't know when you went over there, if you went over in the summer or if you went over after summer. There was one point, I think this was Jobs with Justice, although it might have been SEIU, where I came to visit Matt in D.C. um, for the 4th of July, and they had like a roof deck, whoever you were working for. Yeah, that was SEIU. That was SEIU, and Matt maintains, this is apocryphal, uh, it's highly apocryphal, that at some point in this conversation with his bosses and stuff and his colleagues, I leaned over and everyone on the deck could see my whole boobs. Yeah, that was not at that event. Oh, okay. At, uh, at another event. With those same people. Yeah, was yeah, that yeah. was this, So was this before or after they saw my whole boobs that I hung out with them at the 4th of July? I think it would have been before. Okay, so it would have been weird if it was after because then they'd be like, oh my God, you know? Well, no, uh, you, you did July 4th after. Oh no! That's what I'm saying. Oh no! So that that was must have been extremely uncomfortable for them, and I don't know. I don't know. I don't, no one really seemed to care that much. Bizarre. I was just you know worried you it, know that you would get humiliated or something. Well, I mean, like if so, you know, someone's looking down your shirt and you lean over, it's kind of on them, frankly. Well, I mean, it was it was just like a super loose dress. With oh, okay. Like so, if you lean, it wasn't like just could see, you could see like the whole the whole upper body, <laughs> all of it. <laughs> Like, I guess women, like, (laughs) tape those kinds of dresses or something. Uh, Yeah, stars, celebrities do. So they saw, like, my sternum. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I've never really cared about that. I mean, I'm not, like, a top freedom person, obviously. But, like, when friends would come over when I was breastfeeding the girls, I would just take my shirt off, right? Like, I didn't really care too much about that. whatever. I mean, I'm just not, you know, know? just just socially, I I gather that's not... (laughs) Something it, you're supposed to it do. It made an impression on Matt in that later in life, he would very courteously let me know if a top was a bit risky. He'd be like, you know, be careful. Cause well, yeah. Well, it was clear that you lacked that ability to judge <laughs> those sorts of things. <laughs> well, I so I try to fill in, you know, just like I have limitations mm-hmm. and you help me. I don't know if me. this is one of my limitations. And it's, it's the same sort of thing. Mm-hmm. That's that's the nature <laughs> of marriage, time. you know. <laughs> And that was it for DC for us for a while. Well, uh, <laughs> I mean, one year later, I moved here. So, well, you know, for after a while. SEIU. So after SEIU, Matt finished law school, and then he got a job with the National Labor Relations Board, mm-hmm. and he he moved to Washington DC. The idea was I was going to come out of my master's program and do a PhD program at Brown University in Providence, Rhode Island, and then I was going to finish my PhD. Matt drove up often on the weekends or took the train, uh, and then you know we were going to move in together, but. The first year I was at Brown, I came to visit Matt in D.C. for Christmas, and I never went back. Mm-hmm. I simply got a job here at the New Republic, which everyone had just quit or something for like the eighth time. So it was like the iteration of the New Republic before the iteration before this current one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was there, and... uh <laughs> I I mean, it was amazing. We lived in a basement when I first got here and you had a roommate, which was kind of odd. Um, your roommate was working on concocting the perfect granola bar. Mm, yeah, um, well, it, was, it wasn't It was a granola bar because it wasn't made out of granola. But, okay, well, you yeah. know what I mean. Like, yeah, that's it was a just genre. one of those like kind bars. Yeah, or, he was going to make the next health bar, energy bar. Yeah, yeah, that's a good health bar. A health bar. That sounds right. 
um and uh and and the the uh pieces of the health bar he used lots of different grains and stuff yeah just mix it and match and see what it was like it yeah. was supposed to be the core ingredient was going to be amaranth amaranth yeah. and then that was going to be you know like you can sell that yeah because it's like it's not just another bar or i'm selling it on like kind or yeah you know where it's like packaging it's like it's a it's a new ingredient yeah you know like people get real into that like yeah. quinoa <laughs> kale fascinating Ooh, an amaranth bar, a superfood yeah. from South America yeah. or whatever. And I mean, like he was totally cynical about it, but he was like, people eat this yeah. shit up. Piggies yeah, will lap it up. If he can get it, you know, get it situated right. Of course, the funny thing is uh, that the grains, the various grains, oats, amaranth, whatever was in it, would like collect on the countertops and floors. And then very shortly, this apartment, which was not really maintained at all by the landlord who didn't live there, uh, was infested quickly with mice. Yes. There were tons of mice. Yeah. At one point, Matt caught a mouse with his hands. Mm, yeah, I had gloves on, but I caught it, yeah. And he released him. Yeah, I walked him, you know, a few blocks away. I mean, I don't know what you do it at that point. You could just, like, squeeze it to death or something. Oh, my but God. Like, <laughs> well, I know. It's just it's a little <laughs> bit harder. Like, with traps, it's kind of distant. But if you got one in your hands, I don't know what to do about Did that. Did you give it a kiss? No, no. Maybe, though. No. Um, and that didn't last long. We got into another basement somewhere else um, in Columbia Heights, which was actually pretty nice. Yeah, I liked it. It was it was all great. Uh, there was a nice garden in the back. The lady grew grapes and herbs, and she actually did live upstairs. Uh, the only thing was they started, the people next door started renovating their basement to rent out. Mm-hmm. And so there was constant literal jackhammering on the walls every yeah, day yeah. and i fucking wanted to die uh it was it was just god awful i was finally like do you guys have a permit for this or what what's going on oh the, well, they were following the rules i mean the assumption of the rules on jackhammering like that is that you know you're gonna leave during the day mm-hmm and like, you know. I you, was working from home. Well, you, you could have gone into the office, but mm. you didn't want to. And so, but that that's how the rules are written. Mm-hmm. And so they only allow you to do it during the workday, not in the morning or the evening. Well, um, I look forward to this pandemic uh, really making a space in the world for people like me who prefer to work in their jam jams. Yeah, it's fine. But, you yeah. know, it's the nature of the beast. Sometimes people have to renovate uh, buildings and, you know, there's got to be some way to navigate that uh, tension between, you know, you needing well, peace and quiet and they're needing quieter t- jackhammers. <laughs> <laughs> so we um, at some point I was like, this just has to stop. And I had done everything I could in terms of getting them to knock it off. And it just wasn't working. And I was like, why is this bothering me so much? This was around the time that the Pope had come to Washington, D.C. Remember that? Yeah, I that. Remember was pretty that. cool. Pope came to Washington, D.C. I got a rosary for a family friend of ours back in Texas. And so I went home to Texas after that, took a short little vacation uh, to take this to her. And uh, I gave her the rosary. She said, you know, this is this is amazing. I've been I've been praying for a miracle. I'll pray for a miracle for you, too. I was like, that's nice, you know, I could use a miracle. Maybe the jackasses next door will quit it with the fucking construction work on the goddamn basement. The next day, while still in Texas, my mom and I 
uh, got in the SUV to go to the Shipley's Donuts, uh, which are really, really good donuts. I believe Matt's position is that they're average donuts, donut.jpg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For no, sure. No, they're great. People, donuts are one of those categories of foods where people get very precious about like whatever the local <laughs> one is. <laughs> and I mean, it's cool, whatever. People need stuff like that. It's fine. Donuts are really, they're really good, the Shipley's Donuts. Uh, All right. That's just one man's opinion. Uh, So mom and I are getting in the car to go to the local donut shoppy. And I was like, dang, uh, you know, this seatbelt's really uncomfortable. And my mom was like, you're pregnant. No, there's no possible way. Of course, there was every possible way, come to think of it. And um, I took a few pregnancy tests while I was in my, uh, you know, house hall bathroom in the house I grew up in and um they were all positive and I kept using different brands and stuff and they all they were all very positive like instantly boldly positive so I called Matt and told him and then like a couple hours later he had cranked out like a spreadsheet of some kind and like a plan of action and uh he was on it and that was Jane yeah that's how Jane came about and when when we got back, because I was still on my mother's health insurance, uh, <laughs> I was a I was a dependent, and her health insurance did not cover maternity care for dependents. Yeah. So we wound up paying out of pocket for all my first trimester care because under Obamacare or Obamacare, as Matt calls it, uh, you could get uh, having a baby qualifies as a life event, a qualifying life event that would allow you to change insurance, but conceiving one does not. Yes. Right. So we had to wait until the fall, the enrollment period that November to switch insurances, which was kind of obnoxious. Yes. Now that was a very fascinating experience actually, Mm -hmm. because if, if it hadn't hit that way, it would have been very disastrous because then it's not clear how we would have covered birth, no, which yeah. would have been very expensive. Um, luckily, it happened uh, so that, uh, you know, a few months before open enrollment so yeah. that we could adversely select onto a plan and then stick them with the rest of the pregnancy costs, uh, which is <laughs> itself sort of a goofy yeah. system. But that's the system we have. So I don't you know. Well, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do about that. Yeah. Um, and what was funny was the guy after we switched off and we we were on Kaiser, which is an HMO, so we were just going to their salaried doctors. Mm-hmm. Um the 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 OBGYN that was doing the stuff that we were doing self pay for, like stuck us with this bill, sent us this bill for like six thousand dollars or maybe yeah, even more than that. Matt like, was just like, Nope. Just a huge amount. And it's like uh, no, like because we paid every time we went and got the yep, stuff we done. We paid out of pocket so every time we would we go went do it, test. and then we'd come after, and the person on the front desk would say, "Oh, that cost one hundred fifty dollars," and we'd give them the credit card, and that was that. And they try to stick us for the bill of the whole, the whole, the whole thing. Yep. And then I'm like, no, <laughs> like we didn't do the whole thing. <laughs> we only did a few yeah. services that we paid for, and they were saying, uh. No, those were for the tests. That's bullshit. The amount that you paid was for the tests. So if they did an ultrasound, they would charge like a fee for Mm -hmm. the ultrasound. Mm -hmm. That did not cover the doctor's labor. Um, And then it's like, well, that's, you know, interesting. Um, 
how much is the doctor's labor worth? And it's like, well, we just, we bundle it all together for like the whole thing. Um, and it's like, oh, well, <laughs> can you debundle it? Uh, can you, fi- can you figure out how much, you know, run a, run an hourly rate on it or something? Um, I don't know what to tell you. Um, and they did eventually come back with a, a significantly smaller number <laughs> yeah. and we're like, oh, this'll do it. And of course, at this point, you're just like, what is this based on? Like, this is just totally made up. Like, the number you're citing me, in which you're saying, <laughs> oh, this is for the the labor of the three visits or four visits you had before you switched over. And we, we've just calculated it. Never mind, it's a very round number. Um, it's very scientific how we've come. It's exactly $1,200, not a cent more or a cent less for this labor and it's it's a completely absurd there's no there was no cited hourly rate there was there was nothing and by your own account you basically just charge like a flat rate for the whole pregnancy from like top to bottom including the delivery you have no way of prorating it and what the fuck did i sign that says you could do any of this yeah no like, yeah. completely ridiculous and the way that they threaten you and it's really fucked up is it's like I'm completely in the clear here. <laughs> I didn't sign shit, okay? I paid you every time I left that fucking office, okay? Mm-hmm. I got on the phone with him many times. I didn't sign anything, okay? Yeah. So unless you've got some contract somewhere that says I'm supposed to pay you this shit, I, what, what do you want me to do? And then what they do is they go, we're going to give this to a bill collector. We're going to give you this to a bill collector. <laughs> it's going to go on your credit. Yeah. That's how they, they coerce you. you. And it's bullshit. And it is eventually, you know, I did pay him like, you know, I don't remember like $100 or $150 just to like settle it so that they won't, you know, do that cuz it's a pain in the ass once they've done that. Cuz there there is technically a way. I took a whole class on this in law school to like <laughs> like fight that stuff. But it's it's a pain in the ass. And most of the time, if you want to do it, you basically need a paid a service to help you do it, um, which is fucked up. No, Matt's got the, uh, he's got the poor person's venom in him about trying to get money he doesn't owe you. Think about he's how like, bizarre no. this is. This person is like, I'm going to permanently reduce your access to credit yeah. by unilaterally claiming that you did not pay a bill that you were owed, even though that's a bullshit bill. Do you see what I'm saying? I see what you're saying. You're going to permanently reduce my ability to navigate in the financial system based on a lie. (laughs) And I got nothing. I can't do anything about it. I could contest it and I got to spend all this fucking money and time and shit like that. They didn't ever, the credit, I can't do the reverse. I mean, I could, I could write a review on the internet. (laughs) That's the sort of equivalent, but there's no like official entity where i can just ding their ability to access credit and shit like that well perhaps sensing that they were on the brink of maybe uh having some kind of violent incident at their office i'll call the ftc okay i will call the sec i mean (laughs) you know i'll call them all i know the sec is not you know involved in this sort of thing but i'm just gonna you know i'll bring everything i have i'll file unfair labor practice charges get nader involved against you just say, ah, I saw some ULPs while I was there. 
Um, (laughs) (laughs) Matt's currently involved in like six pieces of ongoing litigation. Uh, Yeah, I withdrew one of them. Okay. Uh, So that that was that incident. And uh, we got on uh, to a, you know, better better health insurance plan. Um, And then in January, uh, the New York Times was... Uh, or not the New York Times, sorry. In January, the oh New Republic, God. sorry, was put up for sale. And I was pregnant. And my my boss at the time was very frank with me. He's a very cool guy. Uh, and he was like, look, you should, you should try to get something new. You know, it could be okay here, but I can't promise you that. Also, um, Chris Hughes was not going to pay out the maternity leave that had been a part of the uh, contract. Uh, so I left. Uh, I got a job as an editor at the Washington Post. The year was 2016. What a year. What a big year. Momentous year. We moved to a new apartment that Jane was born in. I decorated her nursery like a like a bumblebee theme. Mm-hmm. And my parents were like, I don't like that. Uh, so actually, her room a, was so big. Her room was huge. This it apartment was, was very strangely laid out. It was very strange. Her room was giant, bigger than any room I've ever lived in. Before. Yeah. Oh, well, I I didn't realize at that point that children don't need rooms for a while. Yeah, I didn't yeah. think too much about it, but definitely, um, you know, for the first year or so, year or, or year two, and a yeah. half, even like. It, you know, unless, unless you know, if if you're worried about finances or whatever, if you're in a one bedroom apartment, you're just fine. stay in the one yeah, bed. You're fine. Save up. And if you're, you know, you can even just have them sleep in the living room. Just get one of those uh, pack and play uh, collapsible uh, cribs and pop that out, and that's still where Claire sleeps. So. Yeah, Jane uh, slept with us. For, yes, for a really long time. That's She's all real she would into do. That. Um, the only thing that worked for her, even as an infant, as a newborn, was sleeping in bed with us. So we, we quote unquote, co-slept, but we weren't weird about it, you know? She still does every morning, every morning. about four or five in the morning. Yeah. She wakes up, comes into the bedroom, gets in the bed, and g- sleeps for another three hours, yeah, four cuddling. hours. Yeah, She's an so expert she, cuddler. She sleeps about half the night in her room and then comes in, comes in mm-hmm. and goes right back to sleep in our bed. And of course, the funny thing is Claire hated it. I bothered the shit out of her when she co-slept with us. She co-slept with us for a little while. She would wake up. She was fussy. She just didn't like it. She didn't like us moving around. It she was didn't like a the little, noise. I did try at one point to put her in like at a very young age mm-hmm. into the crib and I could not really pull that off successfully. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what it would have been. Maybe four or five months yeah and i tried it and she just she did it perfect she would wake up a little bit in the night every once in a while and i had to go in and put her back down but man the difference was night and day i mean i was struggling to get jane to sleep in a in her own bed at two Oh yeah, old enough that she we could talk about it with her and be like listen man she i would put her in the bed sort of fully awake and she would just sit on the edge and just like cry and talk and whatever yeah. and i'd like try to, and you know she would just get out of it so i kind of have to sit there and just like as she tried to escape like push her leg down jane and, only went uh, to her own room when i got too heavily pregnant with clara for her to really fit in the bed well with us anymore mm-hmm. um and that's in the house that we're in now the apartment that we're in now that's where jane remembers she doesn't remember the other place 
Um, and uh, this is where Claire was born. Mm-hmm. Um, we got pregnant in October and Halloween. And then Claire was born in July of 19, last year. Uh, November of last year, thereabouts, I got hired away from the post by the Times. Um, And uh, we should also say that in 16, that momentous year that Jane was born, you got got fired from the NLRB. Yeah, I think surely most of the people listening to that know this by now. Legend of Matt Brunig. But it's worth, I guess, for the story to keep, but yeah. So yeah, I I got removed from all my various jobs. <laughs> you had many we had hustles. We had twenty five thousand dollar GoFundMe, mm-hmm. which I regret cutting off at twenty five thousand. You could have run that up. Yes, that's how much I got in like three hours, and there were definitely people saying, "Let's push this to a hundred. Well, it and was, I was a like, point being made. Yeah, I was like, I bet we could get to a hundred on this, but um, I don't know. Uh, that seems like a bit excessive. Yeah. <laughs> and so well, I cut also, off, but then, but then, you know, th- had no reason to believe at that point that you would lose your job, right? You had been kicked out of Demos. Yeah, I didn't... mean, it was a very severe worry, but it wasn't a hundred percent certain. But it it happened pretty quickly after that. Yeah, Matt went to a federal employment attorney. I remember because I Jane was about to be born. I was thirty eight weeks pregnant. We went to um, a federal employment attorney. He was like, nah, I, I doubt it. It's just not a big deal. But yeah, obviously, it was totally not a big deal. Obviously, the, the NLRB, which is a highly politicized agency, was worried about you having beef with Hillary Clinton's administration. Um, and so they fired you, and that was it. And you were in a probationary period because yeah. you had been hired straight out of law school. That was the whole key. That was the whole key because otherwise, they didn't fire me for this. They fired me... Um, coded as termination in the probationary period without cause. Mm-hmm. Um, so officially there was no cause for my termination. Yeah. That's how it was coded, um, which is obviously ridiculous and a lie. Um, but in that period, you can fire anyone without cause. And there's no like, you know, like if you try to do it with cause mm-hmm. and you explain it out, then that gives you room to grieve and arbitrate and you know point out that hey the contract doesn't allow this and so forth and so on Mm -hmm. but if but the contract gives you in the probationary period the ability to do it without cause now i still had grounds to challenge it Mm -hmm. um uh, on the on the basis that it was a political firing which in the civil service Mm -hmm. you know wouldn't be allowed even in the probationary period right but the problem was just how am I going to, the union was ready to go. Mm-hmm. The union was like, we will, you know, the union that I had <laughs> uh, was like, we'll, we'll fight this like as far as and hard as we can. Yeah. And we'll, t- you know, like if we need to hire the lawyers to like sue and like, you know, get re But the problem is that takes a long time. Mm-hmm. The process takes a long time. And even though it's pretty clear, it's, I don't know, even though it seems like at a really high probability of winning. Yeah. Because like, look at the timing. Mm-hmm. How can you say this was without cause? And like, you know, in a proceeding like that, you can get emails and all the rest of it. I think it would have been proven out what the mm-hmm. cause was. Um, so, you know, but that takes months and months and you can't get an income during that period. And if you try to get another job somewhere, it's mm-hmm. like, 
Oh, tell me about your prior job. Oh, well, I, I'm um, I'm in a, a lawsuit with them right now. Um, <laughs> well, okay. Well, yeah. thanks for coming. <laughs> so it's it's fucked up. Um, but you know, that's why you know it's one. Of, it kind of convinced me of a, of a view I already had, which was that you know these employment law statutes, mm-hmm. which give you the ability um, to bring sort of suits in court and stuff like that even some of this push people make about just cause yeah and that kind of thing where it's like oh we will legislatively say you must have a just cause to terminate someone i'm all for that stuff for sure pass it same with anti-discrimination laws all that stuff right in which if the employer breaks it you can bring it to a judge or Mm -hmm. bring it to an agency but unless the union is there and has the power to like up front say no right it's so hard to do it after the fact yeah you're out of your job you need to get a new one you're you know you're spending through your cash if you sue them the other employers are gonna they're gonna know you know it's like the after the fact remedy is just really really tough in that situation yeah but if the union is there and if 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 i weren't in the probationary period you know yeah send your send your request to fire me we're going to go to grievance and arbitration like that right it's just not going to happen um you know you wouldn't even be able to do something like that because in the contract you would have to give me a warning first right none of these contracts allow you to just terminate someone just for nothing um and so i don't know that's a long way of going and just being like look the employment statutes, the labor code, it's all well and good, but you want to have an institution that's capable of being there on the front end. Um, and like in theory, I had that, but because of the probationary period, I didn't. And so that then forced it into a situation where I, ha- where I would have to pursue it after the fact instead of have a front defense. You know what I mean? It was um, just really sad and awful. It was extremely stressful. Um, it it left a big impression on me in that I, uh, you know, no matter how fucked up, you know, someone has been on the internet, uh, I'm not going to try to get them fired. <laughs> not going to do that. Um, Anyhow, so there was that. There We're was still that. going through our DC. Uh, That's our DC lives, and we uh, we moved on to this apartment. We had Claire. Jane got bigger. Um, you know, that really kind of brings us to now. Claire's a year old. She was born last summer. Um, it's really hot in DC. There is a lot of really, uh, old buildings that are not air conditioned well. The food's not great. A lot of steakhouses. Uh, you're definitely wrong on that one. Uh, it's just DC is, uh, I mean, any city that has the density of affluent people in it mm-hmm. that DC has is going to have great restaurants because mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's the supply and demand. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's where people set up shop because if you're a chef who like makes the best like elite food, you know, mm-hmm. then where are you going to sell that? You got to sell it to rich people. That's true. You can't go yeah, do yeah. it off in some, you know, middle class town or something because the money's just not there to you know buy 50 dollar entrees or something like that 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, you got all sorts of Michelin starred restaurants and, um, and then every bit of kind of like ethnic cuisines that you might want, you know, Indian, Chinese, Ethiopian, yeah. um, El Salvadoran, El Salvadoran. I mean, it's, you know, mm-hmm. like any city full of, uh, with, with a large rich population and a lot of, uh, uh, ethnic minorities. It's got, it's got the full mix mm-hmm. for sure. I think you're right. It did seem like if you read some of the stories about it, like that back in the day was like the steakhouse. DC was like the steakhouse place. Um, But I don't know what happened in the meantime. Mm -hmm. I think it was that for a while, DC was not actually a place that had rich people living in it, except for in like Georgetown with like some conservatives who wanted to eat steak. And so during that period, like that's the only thing that was there to cater to that clientele. But now it's, you know, people are living in dc instead of necessarily going out into the into the into maryland or virginia like they used to i don't even know why i'm acting like i don't like steakhouses i don't really mind them that much we we did go to one particularly horrible one with my parents on a couple of occasions that was so bad that matt would just not go back at all like a combination of it taking forever and being really nasty yeah, and the um, experience with the with yeah. the company, but but for sure the ta- I mean it was yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean anything would be better than it. Anything would be better McDonald's, than McDonald's, um, Chipotle, I mean We had a screaming fight with my dad in the Uncle Julio's in Bethesda, Maryland where Kellyanne Conway was allegedly shoved by a fellow patron oh, for political reasons. I didn't bit, scream. A little bit of history there. No, you know, no, I you know. I was I was in, engaged in a bit of screaming. I didn't say anything. Actually, yeah, well, you never have to. Um, it's funny, funny thing. Certain people like to pick on uh, little women, but then when uh, guys get involved, they become very timid. Anyway, uh, yeah, we had both of our kids at one of DC's teaching hospitals, uh, which is thought to be the poor people hospital. Uh, we did not go to the fancy spa hospital. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I thought it would be cool to have a baby at a teaching hospital. You know, everybody's got to learn, help out the doctors or something. Uh, you know, and that brings us to now. Now we're leaving. It's been a while. Oh uh, yes, six years. Uh, continuously. Uh, plus the three summers. Uh, for me, only one summer for you. Um. So I guess it would be the longest place I've lived uh, outside of Texas because prior to that I lived in uh, Massachusetts for uh, three years and then prior to that Oklahoma for four years. Um, So this is six. So that puts it in the second place. Second place. You know what I was thinking the other day? What? I have lived at over 20 addresses. That's impressive. (laughs) Because <laughs> of all your weird couch surfing and shit? Well, because I moved so much as a kid, even though we stayed in the same metropolitan area, mm-hmm. just like rental property to rental property to rental property. I mean, um, and then, yeah, and then in Oklahoma, I lived in two different places. And then in um, in Massachusetts, when I was in law school, even though I was only there for three years, I lived at four different addresses um, because I was hopping around a lot. And then here we've lived in uh, four different addresses as well in the six years that we've been here. 
Like we just move and move and move and move and move. I'm hoping that this will be the end. This right one now. will. Yeah. Um, Hope this lasts. But well, now the, the moves are getting so much harder. When so I was in harder. law school before then, I could move in half an hour. I just put all my stuff in the little tubs that I had and I was off. I was good to go. Um, now it's a real ordeal to move. Yeah, well, we have more stuff because there's four of us now and there used to just be one of you and you're, you know, you're a little bit, you know, the opposite of a pack rat. Mm. Uh, I have pack ratish tendencies. Um, but this is it, you know, this is where the babies were born in this city and uh, it's where I taught a college class. I taught at Georgetown. You lost jobs, you got jobs. I moved jobs. You know, what can you say about this town? You know? That's life. That's life in uh, in good old, good old this town. Uh, the military industrial complex is very strong here, so there's a lot of like weird foreign policy hawk guys hanging around. And you're like, what do you do exactly? What is your expertise? It's really strange. Yeah, that's in yeah they they're in Northern Virginia. And that's where they live. Yeah, um, they cluster. But you know. DC as a city, as a, as an uh, as a geographic municipal entity, I think is a very pleasant mm -hmm. uh, place to be because you've got you've got you know pretty decent public transit, mm -hmm. buses and trains. You can pretty much get where you need to go. Mm -hmm. um, great service on rideshare if you you know if you want to go that route. Um, you know, I forget. You know that the, in a lot of places that's just not true. Yeah, like transportation is difficult. Liz doesn't drive a car, and so it'll be something that we'll probably struggle with as we move uh, around. Move around, but but, uh, um, but I'll have to figure that out somehow. Parks, uh, free everything. I used to take. You know, one, if if it were sort of like a weekend and I needed something to do to kind of keep Jane busy, just hop on the. Hop on the train, go downtown, go to the Smithsonian, you know, <laughs> area and just which one do you want to go into? And eventually we figured out she really likes the Postal Museum. <laughs> we go to the Postal Museum. I probably went to that thing 10, 15 times. She loves the Postal Museum, gets to drive the mail truck, gets to deliver the mail, <laughs> gets to do all the different interactive things, loves the stamps, loves to make stamps of herself. Uh, she's she's made me several stamps of herself. Yeah, you get to make a stamp with your picture. Um, she that's all free. You know, a lot of attractions for. It's a pretty good place to have kids in a in a strange way because I think most people would think the city is tough, and it is tough because trans. You know, like cars are difficult mm -hmm. to maneuver around because you, you know the parking and whatever, and um, you know um. It's so expensive. Very expensive. So space is so expensive and at a premium that as your family gets bigger and bigger, it's like it becomes harder and harder to yeah. to actually make it work. Because, um, you know, the children don't don't add money to the No, to, no. <laughs> to, Matt's noticed this problem um, in our in our economy that children add costs but they don't add labor. So Yeah, I mean obviously the that's the like general life cycle the problem. general gist of the family fun pack sort of conundrum mm -hmm. but it, it you can feel it very vividly and one of the reasons why um i think it's important to because because when you when you talk about creating universal family benefits one thing people want to do is they want to say oh let's phase it out on high earners let's phase it out on high income people and all the rest of it 
And I always say, why phase it out on them? Why not give it to them Mm -hmm. and then apply taxes to high-income people? Mm -hmm. Um, And the importance of doing that is that they will pay a tax, yes, but also other people who have that same level of income Mm -hmm. but don't have kids or have fewer than average kids Mm -hmm. will also pay the tax. And so you even out the difference among high-income earners with a lot of kids and high-income earners with fewer kids. Mm-hmm. And that also serves an important purpose, right? Yeah. And I think I think about it very vividly in this building because we live in a, in a housing co-op. Yeah. Um, our particular building in this co-op, the, the co-op takes up the whole block, but our co-op building, our, our member building of this larger co-op has 60 units in it. And I I always track, you know, when people are buying and selling these units Mm -hmm. and, you know, I've seen the units that have three bedrooms in them Mm -hmm. and they're unaffordable (laughs) for us. Um, We can afford the two bed, um, but we can't afford the three bed ones. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, who live in the, who lives in these three bed ones? Mm -hmm. And very frequently you'll find people living in them who have no children yeah yeah or one and it's like well yes of course we have two earners and no kids so you don't have the child care expenses you don't have the other child related expenses Mm -hmm. and if and yeah if i didn't have those expenses i could also afford that unit yeah but then i wouldn't need it because i don't have the kids that require the space (laughs) and so there's a contradiction there the people who need the least amount of space the family units that need the least amount of space have the most money to purchase space Hmm. that is an obvious contradiction in terms of like you know distributive efficiency and Hmm. and and the only way to overcome that is going to be the welfare state through something like the family fund pack that's all you can Uh, do uh or you know in our case and then this is what inevitably happens it seems like his people get fed up you know it's cool when you're two earner no kid and you can afford a lot but as the children start eating into the income um it just you know and you're like shit i can't i can't get out of this one bed or two bed apartment it's very hard uh, like i gotta go out to somewhere where where there's there's more ability to do that and that's real fucked up, you know, and, then, and the cities benefit from that. And you can kind of see why they engage in that to some degree, because, hey, for them, if people are only here when they're single or, and have no kids, mm-hmm. hey, that's that's good uh, <laughs> yeah. economics for the city because yeah. they don't have to provide services Dark. or anything like that. Um, but no country for old men around here. Time for us to head out. Uh, but it was a real one. It was real, DC. Uh, there used to be a cupcake shop right next door to the SEIU place, and now the cupcake craze is over, obviously. Um, that's true, yeah. I forgot about cupcakes. Yeah, they used to be a a whole thing, and now it's like really just kind of slimmed down quite a bit. I think the cupcake bubble popped, but it was definitely at its height while we were in D.C. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, Yeah. you would definitely have like whole shops. Remember that one that was in Cambridge uh, Square? or What is that? The one, you know, by Harvard or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was just completely just over-the-top disgusting, and it's... 
efforts to be like uh i don't know what would you call it it like, was at uh, harvard square and it was like um it was uh, they were always playing sofia coppola's marie antoinette on the tv in there and yeah, it was yeah. supposed to look like a kind of rococo french sweeterie and like with filigree and sort of brocade and like bright pink and all that yeah oh it was rough it was you know the cupcakes were good though they were pretty good but it just like it's like don't don't uh don't don't you know humiliate me yeah don't make me sorry don't, that i came don't in. just be like you like this shit don't you yeah don't do that to don't me don't do that just Come be on. like a purveyor of the cupcake i get you know? it i know i know believe me i'm i i know how bad i am <laughs> you don't have to rub it in i realize i'm i'm shit Come on. You know, just they're like, yeah, you in. are. Look, little piggy. Here you go. You want this little embroidery on your bag, <laughs> your piggy? Treat boy. <laughs> yeah, I do like that embroidery. It doesn't make me feel special. Yeah, it was tough. Yeah, I know you would. Man. Well. What was that called? Sweet or something like that? I think that might have been it, yeah. Yeah, it's got to be pretty epic. It's usually one word if it's pretty epic. That's important. Um, we will be uh, getting back to you soon. This is just a bit of bonus content. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't, you know, I'll be surprised, you know, I, I'm always surprised at what people are interested in listening to. I yeah. guess this is more just sort of bi biographical and yeah. uh, walking through the as box. opposed to the news and whatever. And but I don't know, people seem to like that sometimes. So we'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon from our new abode. All right. Bye. Bye. -bye.